Nothing consumes a man more quickly than resentment. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the delightful listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, Hi, everybody. This is a great article that we bring to you today. It's uh, so close to Atkins in my hearts, I think. Totally. Near and dear. Yeah. Uh, you, you kicked off the, uh, you kicked us off with a little bit of, uh, Frederick. A little Frederick uh, Nietzsche. Uh, little Nietzsche. Just, uh, you know. So we're on our pompous high horses. This time. We're, <laughs> we're all philosophical in here. off with some philosophy. <laughs> so what we got for the beats today? Well, man? here's what I love about it. To give the two minute, no, I'm going to say one minute thumbnail sketch. Do it. That we, as a natural tendency in our cognitive brains, the way our brains work, we have a natural tendency to really see the difficulties getting somewhere, but not be as good at seeing the help along the way. Nice. And therefore, I love the word resentment in this quote. It can lead us to have a life where we feel like, poor me. And I deserve more. and, And they all have it easier. And not be like, I am so gratitude. I have so much gratitude to be alive. Yep. Everything that I have, I've got here because other people have helped me and it's been, you know, and it's just a way of being. Nice. So this paper is titled The Headwinds, Tailwinds, Asymmetry and Availability Bias in Assessments of Barriers and Blessings. Shout outs to Shai Davidai and the OG, Tom <laughs> Gilovic. I'm starting to recognize the name of these researchers now. This is like, I'm feeling pretty cool, man. I'm yeah. like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know what? What we could do actually, Dan, I've got like a few bullet points, which I kind of wanted to wrap my head around whilst reading it. So I, I think this might be a good place to start for the listeners also. So firstly, when we are talking about headwinds and tailwinds, what, what is what is that about? Good one. So the headwinds would be picture riding your bicycle, maybe up a hill, maybe just on, on a track. And there's some wind blowing and every pedal just feels like it's a pain because it's like kind of buffeting you. I had this a lot last week, actually, on my way in. You literally feel pushed back. And you have to like push harder on the pedals to get there. And that, that's a headwind. In life, that is like when you're going to your job, thinking about how other people might be up for the same promotion and how you have to compete against them. Or it might be like in the publishing game that I work in, uh, it's harder to publish psychology than economics. It's that feeling that there's yeah. things in my way. So if you meet an economist, you're a bit like, you guys have it so, so easy. easy. Oh, you have to just put together some proof. Some, some numbers. Some- <laughs> I got numbers. Uh, you know what? I can't get enough of num. There's numbers everywhere. You know what's rare? Breakthroughs. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to put some breakthroughs out there. It's just harder for me. <laughs> so those are headwinds. Those are yes. headwinds. And tailwinds. Tailwinds are just that saying, going back to the bicycle, you kind of don't notice when the wind's behind you because it just, you're sliding along. Like, feels good. You, you don't have to stop and be like, 
How nice to not have a headwind. How nice that I'm getting a gentle push the whole way. Mm. Your mind just goes to other things. Yep. And so that increases the salience and the availability of the headwinds. And it diminishes the availability and the salience of the tailwinds. And if we're not careful, that's what you and I are good at, by the way. This show is all about, you can fix this. You kind of have to... Work on it a bit. You kind of got to want it, right? got to want it. And you have to be aware that there's a bias. Yes. And so many of us, I'll just speak for me, so many of us grew up not thinking that our brains were biased and instead being like, well, I feel it, so it's true. (laughs) I think that and I know I'm right. And instead, you have to really take a step back and be like, there's this feeling... But the science shows me I don't have to feel that way. Yes. It's not true because I feel it. And in fact, it's getting me in a worse life state because I'm feeling it. And there's more control over the way that we feel than we think. So there was like seven seven studies on this one. Yeah, A lot of them, a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, there's a few more questions that I do have, but we'll kind of like get to those as we go through. Yeah. So with the, the first study, uh, this was like... This, this was within the realm of politics, which I found, I found this to be just hilarious because it just screamed out to be so true. So what they were looking at was regarding like politics and political parties and fundraising and campaigns, who's got it easier? So they were looking at the yep. state. So it yep. was like, you know, Democrats, Republicans. So like, how do the Democrats feel about the, the, I don't know, political processes yeah, for right. Republicans and how the Republicans feel about it for Democrats. Who, th- who thinks who has got it easier or harder, so yeah. to say? And one of the things that makes that real weird in the US, even for somebody that lived there a long time, is this electoral system. Yes. Where they kind of like divvy up the states and then based on that, you get a certain number of votes that you can win. And so you can win the popular vote, but lose the actual election. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> That was, a rough, that was a rough time in recent human history, oh, wasn't boy, it? That was. Goodness me. <laughs> but what that means is that is some ambiguity that each side could take a look at and be like, that hurts us, helps yep. them. And they just got to the bottom of it. They just got 100 M-Turkers. They, these are the mechanical Turk things where just sort of people in the United States who, you know, whatever vote. Um, and then they asked them, like, how political are you? Like, how much do you understand the political system? How into this stuff are you? And then that they just predicted is that people who are like attentive to the political scene would be more likely to exhibit this because it would be like hyper salient for yep. them. And that like the Democrats would see their own headwinds. Yeah. It, it would work against them. But when they looked at the Republicans, they'd be like, and they got it easy. Yeah. But the exact opposite would happen for the Republicans. Yeah. I So I just to kind of put this into a bit more context. So we had recent elections here in the UK um, with between, uh, you know, well, with, with the governments and then also... Um, there just seems to be an election like every other day. Or something. Up, like yeah, it's become like the new pay-per-view <laughs> is just like... So anyway, that said, I found it really interesting where the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, I'm not sure. Everyone knows mm. the BBC. Why did I go mm. for the full thing? Mm. But they recently had to respond to um, criticisms that they were being too biased. Now, what was interesting is that they had to respond to both the left and the right and the presenter did such a good job of re- replying to them because the presenter, she said, well, the left are writing us in saying that we're too biased towards the right and the right are writing in saying we're too biased toward the left. 
So clearly mm. we're right in the middle mm. and it's the two of you yes. just being morons thinking everything's supposed to go I your way. That. That's really interesting. Do you remember we did that one podcast on the news? And yes. And how when you read the news, you kind of think it's biased if it's not what you think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird species. Yes, maybe this is yes, what a strange set of humans we are. But um, so in this one, you know, we can just jump to study two because yes, do it. study one, it basically showed what they would have predicted. And kind of sadly, you take the same facts, but see it as being against you. Unless you're careful. Yes. And in addition to that, if you have like, so if you're seeing, let's say uh, 10 things work in favor for your, the political party that you support, 10 things work in favor. You kind of just feel a bit like, well, obviously because we're right. Yes. Like obviously yes. we have all of the right ideas. Yes. So it's like, you don't even yes. appreciate that like, you know, it's a tailwind. It just seems, well, obviously, because we're correct. Yeah. However, if one of your ideas or, you know, policies or something gets shut down or there's like a piece of, you know, some smear campaign against you, even if it's just one, it's more salient than all of the other 10. Yeah. So the one bad thing, the one headwind is is more salient. And then on top of that, the 10 good things that did happen pretty much dismissed yeah, yeah you know what um i think it's worth bringing this up because for me it was a really good analogy when they talked about scrabble yes I talked to i play a lot of scrabble with my family and it's really interesting how just luck of the draw you can pick a bunch of crap letters well number one they're really crap because you're like desperately trying to make words with like a k a c a t you know, a bunch of consonants and so like it hurts quite a bit yeah whereas if you just got like a k-i-c-k yep. or you know you got like things that just make easy words you don't have to cogitate so much on them yep and then the second thing is because in many of these situations there's a winner and a loser which means like for as much trouble as you're having you're also watching your opponent just like put down nice words yeah and so it's sort of you're being held back and it seems like they're surging yeah you forget that like well they'll be there yes they'll be there like when they get their lucky bad yeah. bit but it's just really hard for our human brain to yeah. keep all that in mind I suppose which is hilarious because when you're playing Scrabble for one you've decided that you're going to compete with another person for a winner so if they're beating you you're angry at what was a <laughs> a likelihood that one of you were going to lose. So now you're furious at the person who you are. And Lady Luck. Yeah. And you're, yeah. you're really angry at Luck. Well, that's, yeah, that's the bit that I was going to say. Next, you're you're now angry also at a bag of tiles. You're like, the bag won't give me. I felt that, by the way. <laughs> I have felt that the bag was against me. Like, it was like, it was almost like in the Harry Potter Sorcerer Stone yeah. thing where like, it it says like, you're going to be a whatever. With his like, zip, <laughs> zip for a mouth and it was like, only Q's and X's for you. <laughs> and it spits them at me. <laughs> Onwards, study number two. This is really fun. What they did, and I think it's fabulous, they got archival data when the NFL, the National Football League, released its like season schedule. Yep. And then they went on to Reddit. <laughs> One of the... <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular fan forum where people are just like posting their commentaries on like their favorite team schedule. Yep. And what I love about this, Akin, is it's not really a study. Yes. It's not like they 
put a survey in front of people. They just looked at the real world. Yeah. Oh, I love it. This was a bit like Darwin being at the bottom of his garden watching ants. Like, I love the idea of like kind of being at work, yes. opening Reddit, yes. and then just getting a bunch of comments and then a team of you just analyzing yes. what people were sharing. Yes. So yeah, what, what is it that they were looking for? I think it's so awesome. So what they basically did is they got these um, enthusiasts, sports enthusiasts, who completely didn't even know there was a study. They had no idea about the hypothesis. They just live in their life being angry at the world that's just it just it's just a regular wednesday for them they're like it's wednesday the fixtures are out and i'm angry at the world so why are they so angry because like i tried to write down some of the things i found funny but like they're either bemoaning bad news like my team is disadvantaged in the upcoming season or like Look, they were given all these really hard teams to play or like the timing of the games. Like they're going to be away during this one. And it's just like them kind of bitching and complaining essentially that their team has got it all wrong. But then what they could have been doing was celebrating good news. Yep. Like they could have totally been putting in there like my team has an advantage here and they got quite an easy time. Like this is a – now listen, half of them have to have it easier. Like, like, <laughs> just, like, they can't all have it harder. Everybody's <laughs> got to play everybody. Like <laughs> it doesn't work that everybody can be disadvantaged. And yet what the data revealed is that the truly hard road, like – that people strongly focused on the truly hard road ahead, like two to one, was it? It was an enormous Yeah, so it was difference. like 41% of the fans' That's comments it. focused mainly on the difficulties of the road ahead and only 21% focused mainly on encouraging aspects. That's and it. I've spent a bit of time on Reddit and I, gosh, do I have some mercy for the 21% who tried. Have you ever tried to be positive <laughs> on social media? <laughs> Get the hell out of here, man. Like, yeah, that's a tailwind that everyone ignores. Any positivity is just a tailwind that everyone's a bit like, well, obviously we know nice things. Why do you need to say something nice? That is so funny. But everyone, we want the thing that like gets our back up. We want something to fucking right. Don't come in here with your sort of things good in the world (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Thrill me a little (laughs) bit. Put a little danger in Tell my life. Tell me about study three, actually. What'd you so, think? yeah, study three, study three. Oh, my gosh. This was like, okay, this was a bit traumatic for me. So this, because I'm a middle child. So study three, uh, they they had a lot of fun with the titles for each study as well. So this funny? one was titled, Mum Always Liked You Best. So study three is this idea, there's this popular uh, idea that when it comes to families that have two kids, the popular consensus is that the older child always has it harder than the younger child. And they wanted to look at kind of like, where is this coming from? Is this true? But also in doing so, do we then disregard all of the ways in which the younger child has it harder? Like they they might have different challenges, but you know, one might just find it harder but for different reasons. And this just felt like family therapy. Yeah, like yes, I could hear, yes. I could hear the spats. So like some of the, um, what they did is they had 96 participants and they wanted to be just people who had just one sibling so That's that it. they were either the younger or the older one of the two. And what they did is they had a survey to complete, which had questions about, I guess, kind of like their, their childhood dynamics and like what they, and how they kind of grew up with their And what's their important siblings. in this study, I just got to kick it in there is, 
In this first study, they didn't say, what did you experience? They said, in two-kid households, what's the norm? Yes. And then some reviewers, I believe, pounced on them. And so they actually did another study, which I'll cover real briefly next, where then they redid the entire thing with a whole new set of people. On this one, they said, in your own life, what happened? Yes. And so that's kind of cool that they were able to like replicate and extend that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, So they were asking questions in this one, such as, which child do parents tend to punish more? Uh, this is regarding the headwinds, really. So it's like, which child do parents tend to lecture more often? So the, I guess the idea, what they're going for here is the prediction is that people will be more likely to say the older child when it comes to some of these headwinds. Um, and then in regarding the tailwinds, they were asking, which child do parents... Uh, tend to go easier on which child do parents encourage more so you can see that you've got the headwinds which are the things which you know children might be a bit like oh my god that's rough and you've got the tailwinds where it's a bit like oh i feel so loved and comfortable isn't this helpful so uh, is there anything that you wanted to shout out about like the findings because yeah. um they pretty were- big differences once again yeah. one of the things i love about this study and studies like this is it's not just a statistical significant finding Like in this case, 80% of older siblings said, yeah, they're a lot harsher on older kids. Yep. Well, only 47%, about half, little, you know, a little bit more than half or whatever, think that that's the case. Yeah. Now listen, they all can kind of agree in a sense that older ones do have it a little harder. Yep. But what they're saying is, hey, it's not that much harder. Relax. Relax, people. (laughs) I got my own set of issues to deal with. And B, a lot of them literally don't see it. Yes. When you're the, cause you have, as you said, you have your own set of headwinds when you're the second right? kid. And those are salient. And they, and that one slight, you might have gotten 40 good things in a row, but the one time you got a small brownie. Yep. That's sticking in your craw. Like that's like, oh, that's, it's almost like a splinter that kind of goes in the skin and you yeah. can't get it out. And like a, a great example of this is if you're the, if you're the older child, one of the ways in which you'll benefit is you're going to get all of your parents' undivided attention and likely all of the things that you get regarding clothes and gifts, you're going to get pretty much new. So you won't really appreciate that because you just think, oh, well, that's just normal. I just get things. Now, when the the younger child comes along and gets your hand-me-downs, the older child sees that as, look, they get everything. Whereas what's happening for the younger child is, oh, I never get anything new. I always have to get someone else's old things. But like, so you could like the very similar situation for the older child, having had everything, you get this first, you get all of the attention, you get like, it you just know. breezes right by. Yeah. And it's, they just thought, like, well, that's feels just. feels nice. Yeah. It's, that's just life. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's just life until a younger sibling comes yes. along and starts yes. smashing up all and of your things. Can we do a little, I know that we're, um, you know, we're, I want to do a little detour, just real briefly. Yes. I love the idea that this is something we have some control over. Yes. I think that it's fun just to go through the results and say, aren't funny humans so funny, you know, la, la, la. You get where this is going, listeners. We're going to show you this in like four more studies. And it's fun. These are great studies and they're very clever. But I think as the little detour here, I want to point out that it's possible for us to reflect on our tailwinds and develop gratitude. Mm. And we had a podcast on this topic. Yeah. Having gratitude and remembering how lucky we are not only makes it feel good in that moment, it also makes our brain work better. Yep. And we're instead of being envious and full of resentment. Like bitterness and resentment, yeah. the feeling that you have through life is this is pretty much worth doing. Mm. 
And boy, there's almost nothing more important than the feeling of is your life good? I love this gear shift, Dan, because I guess in a sense, it's um, it, in a sense, it's a reflection of like that this recording in itself becomes a reflection of the issue where there is the temptation for me to focus on the negative findings and how tough it is. But it's like at the same, the same study that I'm reading, I could be encouraged to be a bit like, look at all of these tailwinds yeah. and opportunities. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think this is, this is one of the things I love about these papers and about, you know, the, uh, the social science and psychology and whatnot is, these traps are so easy for yeah. us to slip into. Yes. It's so yeah. easily That's done right. yes. to just slip into why isn't things working for me and to not be as aggressive about being grateful for all of the things that are working for us. Yes. It's like the one day that there's delays on the train that you want to catch, all of a sudden it's like, it's always the train that I need to get that's late. Is it? Or is it just this once? Mm -hmm. Like when you mm -hmm. get to the platform mm -hmm. and it's like your train will be here in one minute. Mm -hmm. You don't yes. see like a, a yes. people just like Woo! cheering. Woo! Yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just like, well, it should be. Yes. It's a train yes. service. Yes. It's supposed to be there for me. So this is what I pay for. And we just dismiss all of this yeah. joy that's just freely that's right. available in life. Yeah. And it's small things and it's huge things. But yeah, taking that moment to really appreciate just like, oh, that's, yeah. This is easy. And it's just not because like, I'm brilliant. It's you're just like we got to get right on back in because this is about this paper. But just like that gratitude journal concept of every yeah. day, just write down three things that you're grateful for for that day. You can train your brain to scan more for the positive than the negative. And you know that's a fact. That's science. That works. And yet most of us don't take the time to do that. And therefore we kind of we fall into the brain's biases and we think it's true. Okay, so back in anyway. Back in. Yeah. So we've got like a, a few studies left and there are, there are still some really interesting counterintuitive and spicy findings. Is there, is there anything from some of the studies that the you wanted to point out? The one that I wanted to point, to point out, out about, mom always liked you best, redux. I love that they did a redux. <laughs> On that second one, what they did is they literally said in your own life, can you just go ahead and write down some times when you experienced, they didn't use the word headwind and tailwind, but basically you had it tougher yeah. than your sibling and the times you had it easier. Yeah. That just like some of the results there are really interesting because their free responses went right to the theory of availability. Yes. Availability is the idea of what jumps into your brain. And boy, did it jump into their brain a lot more. I mean, the idea that... um Let's see here. They created an overall focus on the headwinds measure by subtracting the tailwinds from the headwinds. And what they found is, as predicted, same thing again, the headwinds were more cognitively available, um, thinking that your parents basically were harder than you, yep. at a 0.49 um, in terms of like... For you, it was a lot harder. And then a negative 0.43 easier on their siblings. Yeah. And just to say, uh, just to touch more on that, just to kind of uh, help uh, listeners visualize that a bit more. So you have a bunch of individuals who are simply asked to write about th their childhood. Like you could write about your childhood, a time when you either had it easier than your sibling or you had it harder than your sibling. Uh, and so like, it's just this freedom. Just, you know, just, just yeah. write a few. Just, exactly. Just, 
And what comes to mind? Yeah, and yeah. most people yeah. were writing about times That's when it. things were harder for them. 79% wrote about when it's harder, 21% when they had it easier. And this isn't like... Three th- times. This isn't like uh, civil court. No. Like, this is Like, there's no... no your sibling no, isn't no, up... There's no... Like, no one is asking for you to shit on or trash your brother. Like, this has not been requested. They're not been asking, what is it that you don't like about your sister? Like, there's no request here. Like, and it's, and it's, there's this pouring out and it's, oh my. Like an abscess. Right? It's like you lanced a boil. Right? And then everyone just went straight to the, and it's just like, oh goodness me. So I'm actually really glad that you said it that way because I'm positive that the listeners are getting that a lot better now that just sort of like, it's that free writing that's kind of proving their theory of it being more cognitively available, essentially. All right. What's the next one? So I want to jump straight to study seven, which is the last one. There there is a, there's a bunch more of cool stuff in this studies, but you know, we, we try to keep these things around the half an hour mark peep. So, uh, you know, the titles in the uh, description and whatnot, this one was only about 15 or so pages give it a read what i loved about study seven is they wanted to look at okay so if we're able to acknowledge that people pay more attention to the headwinds than the tailwinds is is that as far as it go or does this also go on to affect other areas of their lives and what they found in study seven Seven. is that this having this kind of mindset it corrupts your morals essentially yeah it it kind of makes you a worse person Person. Yes. And the theory of that, by the way, I love the title of this one. Accountants do it with loopholes. Hey. <laughs> so essentially you have a situation where if you think, poor me, I've always been dealt a hard hand, I might have to cheat a little bit just to make it even. Just to get mine, I'm going to maybe have to fudge some stuff. Yep. So where do they do? Well, it's funny. They went to 1,600 accounting faculty yep. at these like really big states like California, New York, Pennsylvania. So these are Texas. people who are doing okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're complaining, like if you're accounting faculty and you're a bit like, life has been so hard. On, what, what are you comparing yourself to at this point? Like you're part of like the elite. I know. I know. And you're made com- it. Yeah, you've you made have it. Arrived. You're fine. Relax. Yes. Just enjoy yes. this amazing like the I world is it. this massive theme park. Go and have a play. But instead, these Here's my favorite part. My favorite part of it. all of it is that within the accounting profession, if you're gonna be like an accounting faculty member, you might be somebody that does, I think they called it experimental accounting. Yep. And the other one's called non-experimental accounting. Yeah. Basically means how much behaviorist kind of psychology and behaviorist studying you're doing as opposed to like just looking at archival records. Yes. That's a quick way to get in there. To the likes of us, it just makes no difference. They're identical. But once you're in that world, this starts to feel like an important difference. Yes. Like maybe in my world, this is a difference between being like a sociologist who studies organizations and a psychologist that Mm. studies organizations. We're publishing in the same journals. But then what happens, you start to get this feeling that like, well, they have it easier. Yeah. I have a harder road to get my stuff published. Or like the students like that stuff. I got to work a lot harder to have the students like my stuff. Yep. And sure enough, I mean, it's just kind of amazing. But I think they, in the end, they had a hundred accounting faculty who, you know, they had tenured and untenured. They had 37 female and 55 male. They have all these different people. They looked at publishing, finding a job, getting tenure, all these different domains. 
And sure enough, they first off confirmed that if you're in one area, you think the other area has a lot easier. Yep. But then to Atkins point, this is, do you want to say, or do you want me to I'll say? go for it. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's called moral flexibility, folks. <laughs> That's the nice way of putting it, right? <laughs> like, imagine. <laughs> it's their willingness to bend the rules, quote unquote, when it comes to their professional pursuits. So they were basically given, in random order, these nine statements of things that were kind of unethical. Like stuff like, I can publish the same work twice if the journals are kind of different. (laughs) Which is literally illegal in our profession. There is nothing wrong with self-plagiarism because it's not harmful to anyone. (laughs) So, I mean, they literally were more willing to say, yeah, we do kind of need to do that on our side but it's just funny how both sides thought that. Both sides <laughs> thought that. And for both sides, the justification was I've had it so hard that I now justify bad behavior as a way of balancing the books, so yep. to speak. Yep. Like I'm kind of owed a little bit yes. of cheating. I'm kind of owed because life has dealt me so many yes. like bad cards yes. that surely it's my turn yes. to kind of just take what I want. Like I know when I'm playing Scrabble and I've had a bad hand after bad hand, I sometimes take eight letters. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if I've gotten so many bad ones. Who are you, Dan? I'm owed. Who, who are you? Who are you? I, this is... I'm seeing, I'm never done. I'm seeing a side of you. I'm just trying to put it in context for the people out there. For the Scrabble enthusiasts out there. I have never taken the eight letter. Okay. I swear to God. Okay, backtrack, backtrack, buddy. Oh my God. Oh, you know what? We're at the, we're at the, right. the end of the line here. Right. That so was like, fun. I think the big takeaway for myself here is more good things are happening in my life than bad. And there's a value to my life, my psychology, my health, my relationships, even my outcomes. If I spend more time focusing on the good things that are helping my life go along, few bad things that happen and sometimes they do suck. They kind of suck for everyone. And the more time I spend focusing on those things is less time that I could be spending focusing on the things that will actually allow me to either flourish and or just enjoy this That's life a bit it. more. I think that if I could just jump on top of that, we started with that Nietzsche quote about resentment. And if you want to have a bad life, be resentful and entitled. That, that is the recipe for thinking your life isn't very good. You'll always just feel like you're not getting enough. And if you want to have a good life, look to have gratitude and be thankful for the things you have. You'll have a better life. It really is that direct. Um, but we have to be careful with how our minds want to act. And we also have to get the hell out of here. Bye. <laughs>